And so I want to again say happy Father's Day to all the father figures. Want to uh, include the single moms in this who serve as both mom and dad for their kids. We are so grateful for you. Again, all those who are father figures, all the mentors who help fill in the voids for kids without fathers. And we do want to acknowledge that this can be a tough time for several of us as either our fathers are no longer here with us or maybe we had a strained relationship. And so we do want to acknowledge that this can be a very difficult time for some of us. But we do gain hope in the fact that those who are in Christ have a perfect heavenly father in God. And so no matter what our situation is, we can take comfort and we can take strength in the fact that we serve and have an ultimate father in God Almighty. Amen. And, you know, it's interesting when a lot of times, at least me growing up, and I think this is probably true, but for boys growing up, they can somehow, especially when they're little, get into arguments about fathers. You guys know what I'm talking about? Somebody you're talking and it's like, well, my dad can beat your dad at this. And the other kid, well, my dad can beat your dad at this. And then it kind of escalates to, well, my dad can beat your dad up. And so I know growing up, we didn't, you know, I wasn't raised with my father. And so uh, me and my younger brother, I remember one time I helped raise him. And I have this memory. I don't know if it's 100% true, but I have this memory where I hear my, my little brother. And he's having one of these arguments there with his friends there. And he says, my brother. And it gets to the point where he says, my brother will beat your dad up. And I'm like, man, what did you say? You about to get me into a fight right now. You know what I'm saying? And so it's interesting because what happens as a kid is we're taking pride in our fathers or in those father figures. And those of us who are Christians, those of us who are true disciples of Jesus, we can take pride in our spiritual father. We can brag upon our father. We can say our God is the only true God. And in our father, there was no one like our father. And in fact, that's the title of our message today is there's no father like mine. And we're going to see we serve and worship and have a relationship with the father who went the distance. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are a God who is not only Lord, not only judge, not only savior, not only redeemer, but you are our father. And God, we take great comfort. And that you exemplify what it means to be a dad, what it means to be a parent. And God, we thank you for parenting us spiritually. And we, God, we thank you so much that we can have a relationship that is not just master and, and servant, but God that has the intimacy of a child with its parents. We thank you that that comes in the form of our relationship through Jesus. And Dad, I pray right now that we will be in awe of you, that we will surrender our lives to you. God, that we will come away inspired about who you are. We will remember the characteristics that you have and that we enjoy as your children. May we be inspired today from your word. May we recognize and remember who you are, and may that lead to growth in our faith and in our relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to look here at the father of faith, and that's uh, Abraham. And so if you look at when God decides to choose a people, he really starts with Abraham. And so we're going to look here at a story in Abraham's life, and we're really going to hone in and focus on God as we look at this interaction between Abraham. 
And so to give you some background here, Abraham is chosen to become a nation that will bless all nations, that will become a blessing to the world. And this is actually fulfilled in complete through Jesus because Jesus was born in a lineage of Abraham. And so God had promised Abraham and his wife, Sarah, that they would have a child in their old age. And then they do. And they name him Isaac. And he will be the one in which the promises will be fulfilled. So you guys have the background. Are you guys with me here? Okay, so now let's go on over to Genesis chapter 22. And again, I want us as we read here to really extrapolate what you notice about God's character. And I have some observations that will help guide us. But I want you as your as your own as well as you're taking notes. What do you notice about God the father? All right, let's go on over to Genesis chapter 22, verse one. It says sometime later, God tested Abraham. You know, let's stop right there. God tested Abraham. How does that resonate with you? What comes to mind when you think of testing? I know we have a lot of students who just finished school, so they're not trying to think about testing. But what comes to mind when you think of testing? Let's go ahead. Let's get some people. What comes to mind when you think of testing? And go ahead and type in the chat there as well. Uh, let's go ahead. Let, let's get a, a raise of hands. I heard somebody say, okay, yes, yeah, Stacy. Okay, you need to study. Okay, at least you, that's what you should do. All right, there you go. All right, Chris. Okay, there's an exam. Therefore, you got to apply what you study for. Okay, all right, we'll go right here, Ramon. Okay, so he's thinking even in lines of sports or things of that nature, once you have the game, that's your, that's your test that day, right? Okay, cool. All right, Brian? Your stress comes to mind as stress. Okay, all right. Yes, Chris? You can fail. There's the opportunity, right? I can either pass or I can fail. Marcus? Time of proving yourself, right? That's what a test, that's what teachers want to do, right? They want to test and prove. Do you know the knowledge? Did you retain what we've been teaching, right, Carrie? Miss teacher over there, right? And so let me ask you this. Why would God test Abraham? Why would he test him? Is he trying to just provide some stress in his life? Does he want him to fail? Write down, think about this for a second. Why do you think God would test Abraham, there's been years now in which God or Abraham has been walking with God. He called him to a life of faith and Abraham has been walking by faith and he's had many ups and downs in his faith journey. And so now here he is after many years and we see promises being fulfilled. But yet God takes this time to test him. One observation we can make here is that we have a father who tests We have a father who tests. Let's get more into the text here. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. What kind of test is this? Did you catch that? He said, I want you to go and sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. What is he talking about? What kind of test is this? Now, this is the one and only time in which God tests someone in this nature. 
But we see Abraham's faith, his trust, his obedience, his relationship with God is all put on the line right now for this sacrifice. Now, actually, Abraham, and he had grew up and was raised in these pagan nations and so the surrounding nations. So this was actually a normal thing in which the, the pagan nations would sacrifice their kids in order to please the gods that they worshipped. And so this wasn't an unfamiliar thing as far as the concept goes. But it's also really strange because we know God had promised that he would fulfill his promises through his son Isaac. But if Isaac is sacrificed, how is that going to happen? This is a pretty strange test, isn't it? This is the one I always hated about preaching. I'm like, ah, because people can get the wrong idea. But we're going to see something really cool about God. Amen. And we see God testing came after, this is important, it came after substantial spiritual growth and blessing in Abraham's life. God didn't call him and automatically test him with this magnitude of a test. There had been years that had been gone by in which Abraham had highs and he had some lows. And there was many blessings upon Abraham's life. And he's coming from this recent success and growth in his faith. So that's the ground in which there becomes this greater testing for Abraham. And if we think about this, if we go back to school, when we usually think of tests, tests get harder either throughout the year and over the years, don't they? You know, the test that my son uh, uh, is going to get in kindergarten next year are a lot different than the test that, that my, my sixth, now seventh grade year old daughter is taking. And those who are in college in those final exams, those tests get harder, don't they? And so we see something interesting that God will test us after we built up our faith and successes and victories and experiences over time. And so he will test us, and the test might get greater in some cases. But it's because we've already had substantial growth, understanding, and experiences with him already throughout the years. Church, are you with me? And so we see in verse 3, we continue, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Let's stop right there. It says, early the next morning. He just received this call. And early the next morning, what does he go do? He got up to do it. Oh, boy, oh, boy. If we can have such trust and immediate obedience, even when we don't understand God's direction. But that's a sermon that we'll use for another day. Amen. But we also see this. It says, on the third day, Abraham looked up. And so this was a three-day trip from Beersheba to the Mount of Moriah. It was about 50 miles. Just imagine what that was like for Abraham to go these three days on this journey, knowing what he's called to do. That's a test, isn't it? It wasn't just, hey, let's go over to the next village. It was a three-day journey. What was going through Abraham's mind? What were his prayers like? What were the conversations like on this journey? But let's continue reading here. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. 
As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Wow. Put yourself in that situation. You're walking and your son goes, hold on, pops. Hey, we're supposed to make this offering, but, but we don't have the lamb to make the offering. We, we got everything else. What are we going to do? You can just imagine the pain that Abraham is feeling. Probably the tears are swelling up. But look what he says. He says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God will provide. Maybe he says this with, with skepticism. Maybe he says this with hesitation. Maybe he whispers it. Maybe he has complete confidence that God will provide. We know from the book of Hebrews that Abraham did reason. You know what? God is going to do something in this scenario and bring back my son even though I'm going to sacrifice him. So I do believe that there is confidence, but I do believe he's wavering or he's struggling with the confidence, but yet with the unknown. But he has the past to go back to. God's been providing. God has been faithful. He has came through in every promise he has given me thus far. Why will he not provide in this situation? And so he's confident that God will provide somehow. You know, it's important to remember for us God's faithfulness, isn't it? It's important. This is why it's so important that we dig into God's word on a consistent basis, because we get reminded of God's character, that he's a father who provides, and he has provided for his chosen people for thousands and thousands of years. And this is why it's so important that we're engaged in relationship with each other, because we get reminded of God's faithfulness, and that somehow God will provide a way for us. It's important that we remember because then we can have hope during trials. You see, one thing that I've learned is that our Father provides in ways that we don't think or prefer sometimes. Have you noticed that? Is that you're thinking, God, can you provide in this way? And he provides, but it's a way you're like, I never thought of that. And honestly, I would have preferred something else, but I see what you're doing. You know, sometimes our Father, he might not change the situation, but he gives us the strength to overcome the situation. Because many times, if you're like me, we pray, God, remove this challenge, remove this test, remove this trial. But God doesn't remove it, but what he does is he provides strength to overcome it. We continue reading in verse 9, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. 
So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And what do we see here about our father? We see that he is a father who provides. He is a father who provides. God provided for Abraham and Isaac. And what happens? They see God differently. It was a test that was never going to happen. God was never going to allow Abraham to actually kill his son. And so we have to understand that. But the test showed that God was a father who provides. You know, at any point in this journey, God could have stopped Abraham and said, you know what? I see you're legit. I see your faith. That's enough. But he didn't stop until the very last moment. And then we start to wonder or we start to see and realize the reasons for the test. We start to see there's several reasons for this testing of his faith. It's to want grow his faith. It's for him to learn to grow in his trust in God. But we see even more. The reason is that God reveals more of himself to Abraham and not just Abraham, but to Isaac, who's going to carry on the faith going forward. And so this test is set up to build character, to build faith, to build trust. But in essence, for God to reveal himself even more to Abraham. I want you to know more of who I am and what I do and what my character is like. I'm the father you can trust. I'm the father who will provide. I'm the father who will deliver. I am the father who will protect. I'm the father who is like no other. You know, our father, as we can see, he's not afraid to test his children. And the reason, again, is because it's good for us. The testing is good for us. It doesn't feel good in the time, does it? It sure doesn't feel great. We're not like, God, can you give me another test? But God is using it because it's good for us. It reveals our faith. It reveals our, our faith that we have. Maybe it's not to the point where it needs to be, it needs to grow, or it reveals, you know what? Man, I'm faithful. I remember going through some challenges sometime, and it was some of the, the hardest challenges in my life. My faith, I was questioning everything. I was struggling. There were so many things going on in the ministry at this time, and I was just tough. Every morning I would cry out, I'd pray, God, help me. Can you take this from me? Make things better. But God wouldn't make it better. And then finally over time, things, things got better, but my faith was built, and I realized, you know what? I have legit faith in God. I said, because I, I could have wavered. I could have quit. And he realized, and it was so comfortable. I said, God, I'm in this for the long haul. I know when I said Jesus is Lord, I, I meant it. But I realized, God, you have built something in me that is going to last to the day I die. And so that test was refining me, but it was revealing in me my faith and my relationship. And God used this test to refine us so that we could become more like him. Here's the thing that we need to understand, though, is that some of us, we start to take tests and we give too much credit to Satan and we claim that we're tempted by Satan. Do you guys get what I'm saying here? Is that sometimes that we're going through some things and we automatically, oh, this is the devil's tricks. 
It's the devil's fault why I gave into this temptation. Or it's the devil. And, and sometimes the devil does tempt us. But sometimes it's not the devil. It's God refining us through testing. And so this is hard to decipher at times. But here's the thing that we can understand here is this, is that Satan will tempt us so that evil will fill us while God will test us to rid the evil within us. You see, when we're tempted, that's usually something we're tempted with because we know it's not right, it's not appropriate at the time. That's where we're tempted. But the testing is, I have to do God's will even though this is difficult. So there's a clear distinction. Are you with me, church? And so when Satan is tempting, he's trying to fill us up with evil. While God's testing is like, no, I'm trying to rid the evil within you. And so we see God's goodness in this. And these are one of the ways, and maybe in some cases, the only way to refine this, and that's through testing. But again, this test brings us greater understanding of who he is and a greater relationship with our Father. And so we see that the God who tests us is also the God who provides for us. He's the tester, but he's also the provider. And so when God tests you in life, he will provide for you. So when we are called to give our Isaacs, the things that we hold near and dearest to our lives, most precious to us, when we're called in testing whether or not they will be Lord or God will be Lord, we can, be rest, we can rest assured and understand that God will provide when we are faithful. You see, our Father, as we see in this, will intervene in our tests. And when we are faithful, God will show up in miraculous fashion. We just happen to have a ram that gets stuck in the thicket. Where's that ram been? I don't know. He was on his way. God allowed it to happen so he'd be right there at the right time so that when it was time to go ahead and have an offering, it would be that ram instead of the son. Do you see God's providing his divine intervention? Church, are you with me here? Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Church, are you still with me here? Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven. A second time he said, I swear by myself. This is interesting. God had provided promises, but this time he goes, you know what? I just want you to be assured of this. I'm going to swear by the only thing I can swear by, and that's me. And he declares the Lord that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. We see here that we have a father who blesses. We have a father who blesses. He blesses Abraham. He blesses him and it says, you know what? You're going to again be a blessing to the entire world. And you and I are part of the fruit of this blessing. You and I are the result of this blessing. That Abraham was used by God to bless all the nations with the true faith in the one true God. And again, coming through the lineage in which Jesus came. And so now we are the fruit of God's blessing. And he see here that God blesses them. Your descendants are going to be a part of my plan for all eternity. But what did God bless? He blessed Abraham's obedience. God blesses obedience. 
Did Abraham know it was a test? No. But you and I did because we got that in verse 1. But as he was going through it, he had no idea this was a test. And even as he raised up the knife, he has no idea it's a test. But what did he do? He obeyed. Even though he didn't understand, it didn't make logical sense to him, he obeyed. How many times have we missed out on blessings because we chose not to obey? We chose to go with our thinking, our logics, instead of for we choose what we're going to do. And God's like, oh, man, I was going to bless you. But how many more blessings can God give us if we choose to obey even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense at the time? God is a father who blesses. Again, we see God's character and his desires. He's a father who wants us to grow, so therefore he tests us. He's a father who wants to provide, and he's our father who wants to bless. But he's also a father who loves and redeems. And we see this in no greater fashion than we see it through Jesus coming to earth and dying upon the cross for you and me. Can I go over to John 3, 16? I know many of us are familiar with this passage. Let's read it again in the context of understanding who our father is and how he loves and redeems. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we know when it says he gave, he didn't just give Jesus to us. He gave him, but Jesus was sacrificed for our redemption. You see some similarities between Jesus and the story of Abraham. Do you see any connections? You see, there's a lot of similarities between Abraham and what God did in actually sacrificing his son. And so let's take a second here to take note of this between the similarities. And you can say, and many scholars use this terminology, this was a foreshadowing in Abram's case of what God would do through Jesus. And that Isaac in many ways would serve as a type of Christ that we would see leading up to the true Christ. And so here are just a couple of them. There's several more that I didn't list here. But number one, did you notice they took a donkey as they walked to where Isaac was going to be sacrificed? And when Jesus came on, on, on the week before he was sacrificed, he came riding in on a donkey to Jerusalem. Then we also see Isaac carried the wood on his back to the mountain. Did you catch that? You see, Abraham had just a fire in the wood, and it said that Isaac carried it. And one uh, a Midrash commentator, this is a Jewish commentary pre-Christian church, said, you know, Isaac carried it like he was a criminal bound to death. And we see Jesus carried his own cross to Golgotha, where he was crucified. And then we also see Isaac had to decide to obey his father, whatever the cost. Remember, if you're Isaac here, Isaac's younger. He's probably a lot quicker, maybe even stronger than Abraham. He could have took off and said, Pops, you crazy. But for some strange reason, he allows his dad to bound him to be crucified. I don't know what he's thinking or what's going on. But he had to choose to trust and obey his dad. And what do we see with our Lord? The Father's will that he would be crucified. And he had to go to the Garden of Gethsemane in order to make sure that his heart and mind was in line with God's will. And he fully surrendered and submitted 
and therefore was sacrificed. But this is where the differences come in. You see, Abraham stopped, or God, was, God stopped Abraham from sacrificing his son. However, God, the father, he went the full distance. You see, Abraham uh, and Isaac, Isaac was able to escape death because God provided a lamb to take the place of Isaac. But there was no lamb to take place in, in, in Jesus because Jesus would be the sacrificial lamb. You see, at the cross, there was no turning back on God's part. The sacrifice had to be made. The substitutionary sacrifice had to be made so that, so that you and I could have salvation. You see, without that sacrifice, no man or no woman could be saved, including Abraham and Isaac. And so as we identify with the pain of Abraham, we can gain a little, at least a little insight into what it caused God the Father to offer up his son on the cross. And God did it because he loves wants to redeem you. And so Abraham, stop! Jesus, keep going so that they can be redeemed, so that they can have eternal life with me. I don't know about you, but I say hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I say thank you, Father, for loving us so much and therefore raising Christ from the dead so that you and I can raise too spiritually from our dead and our sin and therefore have a new life in Christ Jesus, amen. And so we're reminded again of things that we saw in Abraham and things that we see in the whole story of God's plan and creation is that there's no father like ours. We see a God who is a good father, He's a heavenly father who can be trusted. Our father doesn't ask us to do something that he's unwilling to do. Did you catch that? You know, Jesus asked a lot of us, but we see Jesus went and did it. And we see God said, look, I'm going to ask this of him, but I'm going to stop him. But I'm going to go the full route. I'm going to go the full distance. What a good father we have. Never asking us to do something he is unwilling to do himself. You see, our father will test our Father will provide. Our Father will bless because our Father loves and our Father will redeem. And it's important that we just don't have intellectual understanding of this, but that we're convinced of this in our very core. You say, well, why? Because what happens is we tend to forget God's character and therefore not trust him. We tend to forget his character, and then we don't trust him. We tend to forget his presence during the difficult times, and therefore we start making choices that now are not aligned with God's will. They usually lend to regret, discouragement, and make things worse. So this is why it's important. It's vital that you and me not just have an intellectual belief, but that we have an unshakable conviction in our core, that we have a father who will test, but we have a father who provides, a father who blesses, a father who loves and redeems. 
And by remembering his character, we can remain hopeful during the seasons of challenges. By remembering this character, we can be faithful when tempted with sin, selfishness, or pride. By remembering who he is, we can pass the test, grow in our character, grow in our relationship and understanding of God, and see God's provision and be blessed. So brothers and sisters, let's remember our father's character. Let's remember his goodness. And let us rejoice over a relationship with this type of father. And let us be in awe of God and worship him in spirit and in truth, fully giving ourselves over to him and to his will. Right now, we're going to take time to reflect upon Jesus' sacrifice in a time of communion. And we have emblems that represent his body and blood that was broken and spilled for our lives. And I want to close out with this passage here in Romans 3 and verse 23. We're reading the NLT version. It says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Let's go in prayer. Father, thank you so much for being a father who blesses, a father who protects, a father who intervenes, a father who, who, who desires our growth, a father who reveals himself to us. God, thank you for allowing us to have a relationship with you. And God, we're so grateful that Jesus and the plan that you had, because there's no way in which we could stand before you on the day of judgment. We can't have enough good deeds to cancel out all of our, all of our poor choices and bad deeds and sins. And so we're grateful that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. And God, we, we, we are humbled and we're grateful for that. But we're grateful that he rose again so that we too can die to sins and be raised up in the faith on the day of our baptism. We thank you for being the ultimate father. The father who went the distance. The father who has no equal. We humbly, we gratefully say praise Praise your name. Hallelujah. You are awesome. You are almighty. You are our victor. You are our, our, our redeemer. You are our everything. And there we say we love you. In the name of Jesus, amen.